Good morning, everybody. It's a new week. Happy Monday to you. My name is Tim Harris. I am a pastor uh, in a, a regular Baptist church, Woodburn Baptist Church in South Central Kentucky. If you're joining me by way of social media, Facebook, uh, YouTube, live or later, if you're uh, listening to this podcast on Spotify or elsewhere, uh, I tell you, it's a big deal to me that you would find this. It's a big deal to me that you would make this a part of your personal Bible study. I, I just think it's cool. We go verse by verse. We've been doing it for several years, and we'll do it till we get to the end of the book. So we got a ways to go, but we are plugging along right now verse by verse through the book of Job. And today we're in Job chapters 9 and 10. How you doing? You good? Have you read ahead? Are you enjoying Job? Because I am. I, I really am. I think I've already confessed to you. In my preaching life and in my Bible study, to be honest, I have kind of gotten in the middle of the book of Job about where we are and thought, man, I think this all sounds the same. And you kind of quit reading or you quit studying or just kind of start skimming or flipping just to, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe y'all aren't like that, but I kind of sometimes have spiritual ADHD and I can get kind of bogged down or bored when scripture starts to sort of sound the same. So this is a good discipline for me, just a verse by verse to slow down, to make sure that I wrestle with the text because I got to get on to with Tim, you know, and find something to say, right? And so this is a good, good discipline for me. It makes me uh, wrestle the text, or, or should I say, uh, let the text wrestle me to the ground till I can find what God is trying to say to me, and then I try to share that with you. Chapters 9 and 10, uh, this is all Job's speech. Uh, uh, what do you think about it? I mean, honestly, what do you think about it? Job starts out, he's answering, uh, of course, re responding to Bildad, and uh, in verse 2, he says, yes, I know all this is true in principle. So in other words, he's saying, you know, Bildad, I'm not even saying you're wrong. Uh, that, that's how he starts. I, I agree. I agree. Everything you said, I agree with in principle. You know, but, <laughs> but, he says, and then goes on for two chapters. You know, but, how, you know. Um, understand that chapter 9, that whole, uh, this whole chapter sort of takes the form of, of a, or, or it, it, the scene is a court of law. And Job is here saying, you know, how could I ever get a chance to go before God and argue? You know, who can argue with him? You know, you can't argue with him. He, he's not saying that God isn't just. He just doesn't understand how his suffering is in any way justice for, for his life. You know, he's not saying he's not a sinner. Job admits that he's a sinner. He just doesn't understand how his sin has warranted this kind of suffering. Now, again, we know what Job doesn't know. And Job says here, you know, you know well, why is he, you know, why am I suffering without cause? And, and this is the whole point. We know that there's a higher cause. We got the you know, narrative prologue in chapters 1 and 2, but Job didn't get that. All of a sudden, you understand, his life flies apart, and now he's trying to make sense of it. And, and honestly, it ain't pretty. In these chapters, Job says some beautiful things, but at the same time, it comes from such a place of pain that everything is tinged with this irony. You know, um, I know all this is true in principle, he says, but how can a person be declared innocent in God's sight? If someone wanted to take God to court, you know, well, not that I'm going to, but, but, but let's say somebody was, you know, again, this is the interesting part, I think, in chapters 9 and 10. Job, 
does a lot of, this is what I'd say to God, but he's not saying it to God. It's kind of interesting. Now, he never, remember Satan says, yeah, you, you, you let me touch his skin. Let, let me make him, you know, let me attack his physical body. He'll curse you to your face. You know, no, he won't. Job won't. He's not going to curse God. He's not going to abandon God. He, he continues to take his questions right to God. And I love him for that. That's perseverance. I don't think the Bible ever praises Job for patience. And we talk about, oh man, that lady got the patience of Job. We say that kind of thing. I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong. But I think instead of patience, Job is typically in Scripture uh, praised for his perseverance. I don't know about his patience. Because in chapters 9 and 10, this doesn't sound as much like patient suffering. It does sound like a man persevering in the midst of an absurd kind of um, uh, terribleness, you know, in trial. If someone wanted to take God to court, you know, not that I am, but if somebody did, you know, would it even be possible, you know, to answer him? I'm like, once in a thousand times, would you be able to, would you have anything that you could say? I mean, Job understands God is up here. I don't sit where he sits. I'll never sit where he sits. I'll never know what he knows, you know? So why is he messing? Why, why won't he leave me alone? I mean, this is just sort of Job. Uh, verses 5 through 10 in chapter 9 is just actually it's a beautiful hymn of praise to God I mean it, it talks about his power his might he made all the stars the barren Orion the Pleiades the constellations of the southern sky I mean again Job is one of the most ancient documents in the Old Testament but I love the fact that these ancient ancient people already had this you know kind of wonder when they looked at the stars and already they knew the constellations the same constellations we look at you know just let that sink in you know i mean thousands of years ago the book of job was written he's looking up in the same night sky that you and i look up into and he's praising god for it he does great things too marvelous to understand i mean job says i understand this in principle he just does great things and and i'm never going to understand it but at the same time you know when he comes near, I can't see him. When he moves by, I don't see him go. If he snatches someone to death, who can stop him? I mean, God doesn't restrain his anger. I mean, Job just goes on and on. And so he says, who am I to try to answer God or even reason with him? Even if I were right, I'd have no defense. You know, he's God. All I could do is plead for mercy. He won't even let me catch my breath. That's what he says. You know, I'm innocent, but it makes no difference, you know, because I just hate my life. You know, this is Job. You know, the whole earth is in the hands of the wicked and God blinds the eyes of the judges. That's interesting. You know, we think about Lady Justice. She wears the blindfold, you know, because, because you know, justice is blind, right? It's impartial. But in this case, it's the judges who are blind. You know, it's, it's kind of the sense of there's no real justice in, in, in this earth. You know, it's, it's judges who, who can't see. Uh, and uh, again, the, the, the accusations that Job makes against God in this chapter and in the chapter that follows, they're not pretty. It's not good. And I'm not saying that Job is even right. I guess I'm just saying, though, when this is how you feel, this is sometimes how you talk. And, um, and, and, and I don't know. I guess what I would say is, you know, the, the, the sick room, you know, the ICU <laughs> or the funeral home just probably aren't necessarily places to argue theology. You know, and that's the problem with Job's friends. Like, like they want to have this theoretical conversation, and Job's like, "Yeah, I agree with you in principle." You know, and, and here's the thing: Job keeps asking these questions. He's asking these questions, and they come from this place of pain. 
They're emotional questions. But then Job's friends, they answer him logically, you know, theologically. And, and, and the thing is, these logical answers will never, ever truly satisfy these questions that are born of pain, you know? Like Job says, okay, you're right, it doesn't help, you, you know? And that's what happens when you and I try to explain somebody else's pain or, or you know, we try to, you know, use a, a teaching moment when they're crying out and suffering. I'm just saying that our logical answers, you know, are, are not going to help, you know, people who are asking these questions born of, of such anguish. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Uh, Job says, I agree with you. It doesn't help, you know, because uh, logical answers will never really satisfy or will never really answer, you know, emotional questions. And all of Job's questions come from a, a deeply emotional place. I'm disgusted with my life, he says in chapter 10. Let me complain. You know, let my bitter soul just complain. Let, let me complain. Um, I love verses 8 through 10, uh, 8 through 12, right through there in chapter 10. Um, it's a poetic sort of description of how God forms a baby in the womb. Don't miss that. Uh, you form me with your hands. You made me, yet now you completely destroy me. You made me, and now you want to unmake me. Job alleges, remember that you made me from dust. Are you going to try to turn me back to dust so soon? Verse 10, you guided my conception for me in the womb. That's what the New Living Translation says. What the Hebrew says, and I think this is so funny. What Job literally says there is, um, you poured me out like milk and curdled me like cheese. <laughs> That's what he says. Uh, you poured me out like milk and curdled me like cheese. It's, it is a poetic means of describing that that fluid moment of conception and then that moment when you know the you know this you know the the, the fluid uh, elements of conception begin to form a solid you know form you know you clothe me with skin and flesh it's a miracle right i started out like milk you know and then i begin to take solid form you poured me out like milk you curdled me like cheese you clothed me with skin and flesh you knit my bones and sinews together you gave me life and showed me your unfailing love my life was preserved by your care uh, so what's up, what's up now, you know? Your real motive, your real intent was to watch me, and if I sin, you'd, you'd, you'd not forgive my guilt. If I'm guilty, too bad for me. I mean, Job, no, you know, no. Again, he, he, he's talking, he's complaining. Um, what he's saying isn't right. And, and so you can't take all these verses and say, well, that's what God is like. No, no, no. You can't take verse 14 and say, this is true of God. He watches your sin and then he'll never forgive you. No, no, that's not true. In Job, these verses appear with irony. In other words, this is what Job, it's what it looks like from the pit he's in, but it's not going to be how it looks later. You know, later he will repent for what he said and God will forgive. God will forgive. God understands, you know, that this man is a man of dust and God knows what he's under. God knows and sees better than Job himself knows and sees. So understand, when this is how you feel, this is kind of how you pray. And, and God understands that there's grace for that. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying it's human. And, and, and Job will repent and God will forgive. But this is how it feels right now. Uh, Y'all know I'm a runner, right? So sometimes I'm running like out back in the country and I'm like, all of a sudden I'm like, man, I feel terrible. I think I just want to quit or I think I just want to die, you know? And then I'll just go, no, wait, wait, Tim, talking to myself, Tim, you're running up a hill. You're going up a hill. It's hard right now. It's going to feel different. 
You know, just persevere, get to the top of the hill, and then we'll talk about whether or not we're going to quit or die. You know, by the time I get to the top of the hill, I'm good, you know, but when I'm going up the hill, you know, that's when the temptation to quit, to despair, to die, you know. And so Job at this point, this is what he's thinking. He won't still be thinking this once he gets on the other side of this darkness. And he will get to the other side. He just doesn't know that right now, you know. And maybe you yourself are, are in the same kind of situation. Maybe you are plunged into this place of suffering and darkness. And right now, man, that you're asking some of the same questions Job is asking. And, and people have answers, but they don't help. I'm just explaining to you. Uh, This darkness won't last forever. This trial won't last forever. It seems like it will. Job has lost the ability to imagine a world where things get better, but oh my goodness, things will get better. Uh, So Tim, don't quit when you're running up a hill. Don't despair. Don't try to die. Just persevere when you cross, you know, this, you know, difficult place. Uh, It's going to be like a different day. It's going to be like a different Uh, race you're running. But for now, Job, this is what it feels like. And and this is what it sounds like when you are suffering as Job is suffering. Pick up right there for tomorrow, chapters 11 and 12. Are we okay doing two chapters a day? 11 and 12 for tomorrow, Zophar uh, speaks. Remember, there are three friends, Eliphaz, uh, Bildad, and Zophar. Zophar gets his chance to chime in. I can hardly wait. Uh, So I'll see you in the morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for Tim with Tim. I love you guys so much. Have a good, it's my day off. Have a good Monday. I'll see you tomorrow.